Rugby Coach Weekly Podcasts presents Coaching Laid Bare with Lisa Bird Burgess and LJ Lewis. Welcome again to the Coaching Laid Bear Pod. Um, we're absolutely delighted, Aldo and myself, to welcome a great friend of both of ours, and that's Sophie Bennett. Sophie Bennett, who's from um, currently at um, Bath, Rugby Operations and Player Welfare Manager. So, Rambo Rumi, my dear friend, how are you? I'm really good, thank you. I'm so honoured to be here with both of you. I couldn't think of two people <laughs> I'd rather be chatting to on a Sunday night. Oh, just, we need, just could do with a beer. Well, <laughs> yeah, let's get one in. We're, LG and I are just really chuffed to have you on, Sophie. And I'm just going to give them a little background on you. So, so Sophie is currently, like I said, Rugby Operations and Player Welfare Manager at Bath Rugby Football Club. We're going to go into a lot of detail with that in a moment. And Sophie joined Bath um, back in the 2014 season. Um, and currently, before, or prior to that, she was at the WIU, where she enjoyed a nine-year spell as National Programme Coordinator. And that role included actually team management of Wales under 16 boys, Wales women, both the 15s and the 7s, and Cardiff Blues age groups. Um, and, and during a the time there, Soph was also team manager of Great Britain 7s. Um, prior to that, Soph was community manager at Gloucester Rugby. She's an incredible woman, an incredible athlete, um, you know, performance endurance athlete as well. We might touch on that as well, Soph, who I don't know how you manage to juggle everything that you do. Um, an absolutely brilliant human being and just so, so looking forward to getting this started. So Soph, how, how have you been keeping during this um, period? Um, yeah, I've been keeping well, mostly, um, just um, doing quite a lot of running, um, keeping myself out of trouble by running. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's been a, like lockdown was a funny, it was a real sort of lockdown of uh, sort of two parts, if you like. So the, the first bit, um, like my partner came back from France and our, uh, we had our four stepkids and all of us together were back together as a six and we had sort of seven or eight weeks of that. So that was chaos. Um but got furloughed as well. So it meant um, we could have some really good family time. And then they went back to Ireland. I went back to France and me and Dill were left together. And I was still furloughed. So basically just ran like marathons every day just to uh, keep myself sane. And as as, as you do. Yeah, I mean, LG and I are known to run marathons as well every day. Yeah, because that's what you do, isn't it, LG? Yeah, that, that's the joy of having a teenager who sleeps until 10. And then a bit of homeschooling. And then I went back wow. to work in, in June. And, and then, yeah, it just it was kind of almost back to some kind of normality. And, and we've sort of been in since then. So, yeah, it's just back full on with work. So our listeners can already tell, you know, the fact you run a marathon every day and do homeschooling on all this before 10 o'clock in the morning, looking after Dill. <laughs> Bloody hell, Soph. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. You are honestly an amazing woman. And Elge, how, how are you doing, Elge? How's, how's life been treating you this week? Yeah, yeah, good. Thanks, Bird. I'm, I'm looking forward to our chat, the three of us. Um, I wish we I wish we were doing it in a pub with some uh, beers for sure. But hey, <laughs> maybe sometime great. soon. Uh, but yeah, they're no, all good here. We... Uh, just had a nice weekend um without actually working i know i know you guys played yesterday bird but we uh, yeah on our weekend off so it's been quite nice uh watched all the other rugby going on so um yeah we're all good all good looking forward to our, our special pod with so for sure yeah definitely and before we start so i just want to say to all our listeners as well some great announcements from wales this week 
Um, you know, Warren Abraham's appointed as a head coach of the Welsh women's team. And fantastic to see as well, Rachel Taylor, um, ex-international um, 64 caps and ex-captain of Wales, um, who's yeah. been appointed as full-time national skills coach, which is just phenomenal and, and fantastic achievement and great to see. She's good. She's she's going to be a great credit and to the game. So, yeah, just really good to see that. One of our, we had her on our pod, didn't we, Bird? One of our early yeah. days pods. So we're really excited for Tails, really, really excited. Yeah, it's a great appointment. I think the two of them are going to do really well there. So great news there. Anyway, Soph, it's all about you now. So um, I know you, you used to play you used to play rugby and I know you played for England Students and England Academy as well back in the day. Um, uh, you enjoy, I know you enjoyed your playing time. So so really, just, just for our listeners, you know, can you give us a little detail on how you move from kind of um, playing... Um, did you did you do any coaching as well? You did a little bit of coaching. Yeah, so I started off life as a coach, really. Um, and without going on too much and going back too far, I guess, um, when I was at school um, and back in Bridge North in Shropshire, um, started off, you know, um, as soon as I, I was sort of 15, 16, doing top play, top sport coaching. Um, basically then um, helped set up the rugby team in Bridge North, reset it up. It had been dormant for a few years and sort of helped reset it up. In, in Bridge North before, well, while I was at sixth form and sort of started playing rugby there and we set the team up, then I went off to uni. And so the whole time while I was playing, I was also coaching sort of did your level one um, got really, uh, got really, got really into coaching. I, I mean, I've been coaching football as well before that. So I always knew that I wanted to sort of be a PE teacher or a coach and be involved with sport. But I guess rugby started, started then that sort of sixth form time, went to uni and played uh, university rugby and continued to coach alongside that got my level two um was very fortunate to uh, force my way into Gloucester rugby club so I yeah. was there um I was club captain of the rugby team we had a fresh affair and someone from Gloucester was there and I said oh I'm gonna come and do my work experience with you and he was like oh right okay and uh, sort of forced <laughs> my way and did my work experience with their community department wow. and I guess the rest of say is history um just from that I then um got a part-time job with them the guy then that was uh, was sort of manager of the department basically uh, left and they had no one to do it. So I sort of stood in and helped out. And um, I was still playing at this point. um, And then uh, basically made, got a part-time job, got a full-time job. And then eventually a couple of years later, ended up as community manager at Gloucester um, after uni. So um, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll touch on it a bit later, but yeah, I definitely sort of forced my way into there. And uh, and while I was doing that then, I, I left uni and I continued to coach the university side. Um, started coaching uh, with the RFU, the sort of regional women's program, um, with yep. the under fourteen girls. Started up Huckleco under fourteen girls back in the right. day. Oh. One of your teams now, yeah. yeah. Um, few few good girls come from that club. Yeah. Um, I'd even forgotten about that actually. Um, and yeah, and then I had loads of youngsters come from Huck- uh, when I was at Hartbury. Loads of the youngsters yeah. came. Yeah. On there, actually, really. Charlotte good Keen, Charlotte Keen was there at that time, oh, yeah. like when wow. she was a little one. Yeah, so long time ago. Um, and then <clears> kind of did that, and that I guess all that sort of work. I was still coaching as part of my role as community manager. Um, and then um, Jilly obviously was um in charge of the women at uh in Wales, and she sort of I I met her through England students and our, our uh, paths across, and she sort of approached me around the job for the uh, sort of they were, Wales were taking on a national, like a sort of a, a women's national academy manager. 
um, to sit alongside the four regional men's academies. And um, yeah, I went and got interviewed for that and, and got that role. So I was still, even though I sort of went in as an academy manager role, um, I was still coaching. I then started coaching um, in Wales and picked up the roles with the Cardiff Blues boys teams with the under 16. So they were split 16s north and south and yeah. sort of got involved with the north there, met people like Chief and um, uh, a few others who then helped me um, sort of progress and um, I ended up coaching Lantwick Vardra men's team seconds. Um, did, did my level three. And yeah, so my life was basically coaching. As a coach, uh, yeah. And, yeah, and I was definitely a coach. I, I sort of, the manager was my day job and then coaching was, I guess, more my hobby, but it was in the evenings. But my, my days were spent like, uh, like uh, trying to do work experience or get involved in as much as I could everything sort of for free just whatever you could do just to get it on the cv and just really build and that was what you know so you went you were actively out there you were thinking that where i'm going to improve the what, what i want to do is is to actually go out there and make as many opportunities for myself because they don't just turn up do they these opportunities no. you've got to go out there looking no. for them and wow no I remember someone said to my dad actually um like a few years ago it said oh Sophie was really really lucky and my dad actually turned around and was like no she made her own luck and I actually it really stuck with me that uh, as like yeah exactly like you know you have to go out there and make it yourself because if you don't like no one's going to do it for you and especially in sport and sports coaching yeah that's that's an amazing amazing journey you went on and, and you know a highly successful one so um and did what kind of did you enjoy more? Did you enjoy like the managerial role? Did you enjoy the coaching, or was it just a natural progression for you to kind of move from a coach to a manager's role? Yeah, I think it was a bit of a progression. I I loved coaching for years, um, and I don't know if probably I was doing too much. I mean, as you know, like I just try to cram my day as much as possible. It's definitely on my own fault that I'm always busy. <laughs> oh, um, damn. But I, yeah, um, but I think I probably got to a point where I was like. There was a bit of, I think I was getting, not bored, but I think I'd got to a point where I'd got as far as I think I could go. I'd done my level three, I'd coached the men's team, uh, I was doing bits and pieces of the girls. Obviously work was the same thing all the time um, in terms of it was just constantly rugby. And I think I just got to a point where I went, actually, I think I probably could go further with this as in in a manager role. And I think that's probably when okay. I started to think, actually, I've got uh, sort of intentions of trying to push into that men's professional role because even though um you know we were running all the programs for the women as you know in Wales in those days um the sort of commitment levels of people were you know it was as much as they could give but it was never fully professional and it wasn't really a a point then when it looked like it would be professional so I guess I had my eyes on that I looked at it's interesting because I looked at people like, like obviously Giselle was around and she was a, a huge role model because you yeah. could see what she was doing and, and how well she was doing and, and, you know, within that male environment. But I don't think I don't think I ever looked and thought, oh, I'm going to be that person coaching at that level. But I thought, actually, I could manage at this level. OK, so you kind of and, um, sorry, I'll just go on. No, sorry. Go, bird. I was just saying, so you kind of made a, a kind of decision based upon where you were and where you wanted to be um and looked at your skill set and thought actually I'm going to make a decision yeah. now to move over that way having enjoyed a really successful coaching career God, you know yeah. coaching all the teams and coaching the men's team as well you know that's phenomenal because you know we're talking what 10 years ago 15 years ago longer than that yeah e- easily and we're talking like Landry Roger in the you know in the valleys like with people that would, n- would not have expected to have been coached by a woman either at that stage so I think um, I had some opportunities with the Blues in terms of moving up to like the 18s, but as to manage. And I think I did that. And then obviously there was 
kind of as time went on, there was this the like with the seven side of things as well, and uh, the whales and the sixteens role because no female at that point, and Osara obviously came along later, but at that point, no female had managed any of the the men's uh, Welsh national teams. So I kind of went there, and I went, actually, this is this is this could be a possibility. There's no reason why it couldn't be. Um, and I spent some time with Thumper as well with Alan Phillips um, in and around. Um, he let me sort of because we worked in the barn, obviously opposite the national team and we, you so, know, we developed sorry sorry so there just so, so our listeners here so Thumper used to be the um the Welsh men's um team manager yeah? yeah yeah exactly Alan Phillips yeah and and um, we were based obviously um the women you know up at uh Hensel with the like, opposite to where the men were so we sort of had formed relationships there and we did bits and pieces with those guys too and he let me I remember on a test week just sort of shadow him and it was just such a great opportunity but I also looked at it and just thought there's nothing here I can't do and I mean that with the greatest respect but I just thought you know this is something I could go on and and do and just felt really inspired by the whole process and just thought you know like I need to I need to make this happen this yeah making your chances and taking your opportunities yeah Yeah. amazing I am I love that you make your own you make your own look like you've not been lucky I I definitely sit here (laughs) reflecting on some of the roles I've done and uh, like you say so filling your day with paid and unpaid roles I, I've definitely done the same and having coached boys men girls women at every kind of level you just like you do you do pick up experiences and look thinking actually I reckon I could I could push myself and go a bit further and then a bit further yeah. and I definitely that a lot of that sits with me and I definitely think I'm yeah, trying to do that myself in my own little way. Um, Definitely. I, I yeah. like there's obviously in my role with the women, I was obviously academy manager initially. So I had like 20 young Welsh girls who were obviously we had highlighted them for the Welsh team. And you sort of, I'd go and sit and have one-on-one meetings with them. We'd work out what they were going to do outside of their schoolwork, if you like, or if they're going to go to college. And that was the thing that, that so many of these girls, and it's still the same with academy boys now, if I speak to some of them at Bath, uh, you know, a lot of them, you know, what are you going to do? Work in sport. Right, okay. So what about the other 100 million people that are coming out of university with a sports degree? What are you going to add to that? Like, what have you thought about doing some work experience? Have you thought about doing this? And it's a bit like, oh, yeah, no. And it's just really, it's just really bloody hard work. Like, you'll know, Elge, like, it's just, yeah. it's like, it's your, it's all your spare time and it's mm. tiring and it's, it's an effort. But I, for me, I think it's the only way that to go almost. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Some of those conversations, well, I definitely had a lot when I was working with the juniors back at Hartbury, but even now, you know, and Bird, I know you'll be the same, sitting talking to our senior players, you know, they think, well, I'll do rugby for a bit and then I'll, I'll, I'll go and, like you say, get into sport or get into this. And you're like, you've got to do more. There's got to be more to, <laughs> to life, you yeah. know. Phil, what are you filling your day with at the minute? And uh, when you tell them what you fill your day with, they're like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, um, yeah. So, so just touching on, obviously you worked for a long time at the uh, WRU, but then um, have very success- successfully moved across to Bath Rugby as a team manager there. How, how did that become about? Like what happened for you to make that move? Oh, it's really funny, actually. When it happened, I'd basically given up. I'd had enough. I was in, it was, um, it must have been 2014 and we were in World Cup year and we were, um, and it had been tough and I was just fed up and I was just like, I'd, I'd gone for a couple of opportunities um, like within the men's game and I was at the point where I was just, you know, we'd had a change of um, 
change of management. So Joe Lydon had gone and Josh Lucy had come in. And, and to be honest, that, that was really tough. Yeah, I felt like uh, didn't appreciate um, Josh Lucy in any way, shape or form um, in those roles. And I, I just, it, I got to a point where I was ready to go and um, I just couldn't, um, I'd gone for a couple of roles within the men's game and they just hadn't come about. I'd gone for one with like the World Cup and I was told that I had like too much experience for the role. And I'd gone for another role actually with their Welsh region, which I won't name, um, as team manager. And basically got told by a coach that he didn't want a female in that environment. Um, so oh. even though um, someone else had said, you know, you've got the skill set and you'd be really good, he was just like, I don't want to, I don't want a woman in this environment. So that was really frustrating. And, and I kind of got to the point where I was like, I was doing CrossFit a lot. I was coaching um, the women's class a lot. I was just really inspired by the women that I was dealing with. And I was like, right, I'm going to have a complete career change. Um, I'd lost mum, like, uh, I think it must have been like two years or three years before that. She'd like sort of left some money. And I was like, right, I'm going to retrain. I'm going to be a PT. I'm going to um, just walk away from this job. I'm going to walk away from rugby. I've been in it for like 10, 20 years, whatever. And I'm going to go and do something completely different. And this was in the March time and just, we had Six Nations and it'd been a really rough Six Nations as well. We had the World Cup coming up and I was just like, this is, it's really frustrating. We're banging our head against the brick wall a little bit here, I think, Bird, when we were just like 100%. in terms of the support yeah. we were getting. Or lack and, of support. Um, yeah. Lack of support, yeah. And um, so I sort of I put all this in motion. I'd um, basically uh, worked out with the WIU, my exit, if you like. I, I was like, right, I'm going to do the World Cup. I'll manage the World Cup. And I'll finish in August after that's done. And literally a couple of weeks later, um, I, I got an, uh, an email on LinkedIn. And it just said, like, look, we'd really like to talk to you um, about a potential role with a premiership team. And I was like, whoa, this is so weird. Is someone pranking me? Read it. And I spoke to the gut to the recruitment consultant. He goes, yeah, we've looked at, you know, the things you've been doing and there's a role, a team manager role come up and literally my heart stopped. And I was like, no, I don't want to be in rugby anymore. And then I was like, yeah, but okay. All the team manager roles within the premiership are different. So it might not be the right role for you. He told me the role. It was perfect. It was like, I didn't want to be anyone's sort of admin person. I wanted to be the team manager. Um, and um, I didn't want to, yeah, just be someone's like secretary. I wanted to be the actual team manager. And as he went on, there was loads about player welfare, which I, I've sort of specialised in when I was in the WIU. I'd done a lot of performance lifestyle training, and um, he sort of went on and on. And then he was like, he goes, like, oh, "Well, I guess you want to know what team it is." And then in my head, I was like, oh, "Don't be Newcastle, don't be Sale, don't be." <laughs> because I'd like been so lucky that I stayed in. I'd been working yeah. in this kind of southwest triangle where I'd been, you know, obviously loved. <laughs> gone from Gloucester to Cardiff yeah. I was like I can't go up north I was like oh but London would be okay and then he just turned around and he said it's Bath and I was like I literally felt like oh my god this is meant to be so um I sent my CV over and I went to meet um, Mike Ford um a couple of weeks later and they literally phoned me back and they're like we just think you know you're ideal for this job and we want to take you on and I was wow. just like my whole world in an instant I just let go of everything and I'd kind of you know but I, I just think it goes back to that all that like that hard work from years ago that had sort of stacked up um and again you just make your own luck in that in that way but yeah so and then that was it really so 4D was like look I want you to start and I committed to doing the world cup so basically I'd never taken any loo time in my whole life and um, always just worked like straight through the week or whatever and so I started taking a bit of blue time 
sorry, but don't tell anyone at February. Um, and <laughs> I went and helped Bath out for, up until the World Cup and sort of started getting things underway there. And then obviously went to the World Cup. And then we got back from the World Cup in France on the Monday, I think. Very, yeah. very tired and it was very messy. And I had to go to Jersey on the Thursday then with Bath and, and just started straight with a new team. And that was it. So yeah, it was, um, it was, it was a really weird year, but um, it was really exciting. And yeah, it was awesome. And I know, I know how much of an impact you've had. <laughs> I know that uh, you're very well respected. We... And I also know that there's a girl in the office, <laughs> but I know you're very well respected, Sophie. So uh, you've done a great job. Um, but still touching on that role with Bath, um, what would you say has been, it could be something like when you first started or it could be even now, what has been your most challenging part as, as a team manager? I think um, the role when you uh, started. Yeah, I was going to say, I, yeah, I think um, it, it's funny because obviously you know well the people that are in that office and um, yeah. it's interesting because actually there have been no females in that office at all. And um, when I started, actually, they took on a female analyst as well. And um, I actually don't think we probably would have got through that first six months to a year, maybe without each other. I think we both love to say that we didn't need each other. But I think actually having each other was a real support. Um, and the response from people in that office when they found out about us was like, like I don't know, it was like, I can't remember what the words were now, but it was like, like there's not we're not having a woman in this office you know it's like <laughs> and, and they meant it in the nicest possible way not in a like like job in the men but they just weren't used to it and then they went from yeah. having none to two and yeah, it, so I think that initial going into that environment, um, I was, I'm a really actually quite a nervous person. I come across like I'm quite confident, but I'm actually really nervous. And um, standing up in front of a group and speaking is one of my absolute worst nightmares along with doing something like this. Um, <laughs> and I just like go bright red and I just, I just really, it, I hate it. And um, so like, you know, just going into that environment initially I, and like I was lucky that I'd done the, the work with Lanchet Varja coaching the boys there and, you know, I've been at Gloucester Community Department and, and I'd had to stand up and speak to those boys and be in that environment. And, and that was a tough crowd. And if I'm really honest, probably the days at Gloucester prepared me the best for going into this environment because um, it was a tough environment. It was full of, in those days, it was your, the proper Gloucester boys, your Foros, your Pasties, Adam Eustace, you know, and they were big characters, you know, they didn't hold back. And, and so I think when I went into this environment, that, that obviously helped. There's a few things that, you know, we were lucky at Bath, like that squad of boys, the whole time I've been there has been a pretty, like a pretty decent group of lads. Like the squad we've got now, like there's, I, I think pretty much over the whole seven seasons, there's not really anyone I can say I've hated. Like they, they're a really good bunch and they're really respectful. Um, I was lucky, you know, kind of, but, well, I guess the hardest thing was the first day Fordy's like stand in front of them uh, and tell them kind of like where you've been. I was like, walked into his room, like, full of like 40 50 dads and um, bear in mind I've been in Wales for nine years so I hadn't as much as I've coached and I, I'm a, like I love rugby I love watching rugby I love the Heineken Cup I, I I was immersed in Welsh rugby so I hadn't really watched the premiership for this sort of period of time and you know I couldn't like some of the boys I couldn't tell you who they, I couldn't tell you who Jonathan Joseph was that day you know and um so I stand up in front of them and and I'm like yeah I'm Sophie uh, I've been at, at Gloucester and Wales to a bath team. <laughs> They're like, 
Like, can you imagine? I was like, oh my god! I was like, does it get any worse? Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually blushing thinking about it. Um, no, but, no, don't tell them where you've been. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah. make it up. Just make it up. But um, yeah, no, they they were amazing. But yeah, it, so it was it was really tough going in initially, and then just like really basic things, just getting to know people, just building those relationships. Um, you know straight and, mm. and straight away I was then off to Jersey on an away trip which I'd had to organize I think I'd organized their trip their preseason trip to Portugal while I was still organizing the world cup wow. and I didn't go to Portugal so where a lot of the relationships were formed away like I'd missed out on that so that was that was initially really difficult I think um it's funny when you say what's a challenge in your role because you you sort of you get into your role and then you kind of forget about some of the big challenges but yeah. um I think just generally being across everything, like mm. um, trying not to forget things. I spend probably 90% of my time like quite anxious, which I know is probably not the right thing to say, but literally <laughs> I've always got this feeling in my stomach, like thinking, what have I forgotten? And, and that feeling doesn't go away, however long you've done the job for. Um, and I think just also trying to be everything to everyone, because obviously the longer I've been there, the relationships have built up. Um, I spent a lot of work I've trained um, in the mental health side of things now. And, you know, I, I try, um, I try to be there for the boys as much as possible. Not everyone wants to talk to you and, you know, people talk to different people, but I, I like, I'm, I don't mind sharing. I got to a point the other day where one of the coaches texted me and said, Oh, how is a certain person? And I was just having a really rough day. And I just texted them back and I went, I don't know. And honestly, right now I don't care. I, I need to just like switch off and I need to just think about myself um, and actually that comes with experience as well because probably yeah. three years ago four years ago yeah. I wouldn't have said that I'd have been like oh you know well they're fine but I was just like actually I need to switch off as well so you yeah. do take a lot on and there's, there's a lot of pressure um, my uh, partner Al he he always says to me basically my job is about building credit he said so you spend your life just building credit with everyone yeah. for when you fuck up basically yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's going to happen at some point and um, and usually if I mess up it's pretty massive so I don't mind again don't mind sharing um because it worked out fine quarterfinal going to Dublin to Leinster uh Champions Cup and um there was a mix-up with the times of the charter and somehow got it wrong by an hour and um it was only because my bus company phoned up and said oh um the, you've got this down at the wrong time they're not expecting you they're expecting you at this time and I phoned up the charter company and they're like no your time is this time and it's the only stop we've got today so you need to get there so I like literally I'll never forget it 40 was in the toilet <laughs> like literally having a piss I ran into the toilet I'm like buddy I messed up the times we need to go they're like the kids that went uh, the non-23 were on the pitch and the coaches that were supposed to be coming were on the pitch and there was a few boys traveling I was like, and it was just like, right, be really calm and we'll just get everyone off and we'll get everyone. And like we managed it and we literally got everyone on the bus, got to the airport, got on the plane, flew and it was all fine. But yeah, it's just those little things. You just spend, that's probably the biggest challenge is just worrying about what you're going to mess up because you've just got so many things to think about. Wow. I suppose it's also, also save like with that anxiety, <clears throat> a little bit different to being a coach. Maybe you can relate with the SSCs and the, the mm. medics. You probably need to, like you say, you maybe you don't connect with every player, but actually the ones that do connect with you, you need to know the big picture from the coaching side to be able to maybe filter some of yeah. some of their um, their their anxieties or their issues or their moans for that moment, which they everyone has that. But because you yeah. then have to also 
feed that in potentially to help keep the environment going you know it's quite tricky isn't it you know it's a really yeah 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 like definitely not just not just building credit for when you mess up but building credit so that you get that information because that's really important to keep the environment going definitely and you you like you want those boys to trust you and to talk to you but you also have to know when you need to share that information and when you don't and Mm. you know we've we've worked with sites in the past where they haven't necessarily been quite on that level and you know it can make a real difference to a player if like a coach knows certain information so you kind of you spend your life sort of being that go-between where you're just trying to like protect obviously you want to protect the player but you you want to help them be the best they can be and and Mm. you know god people have just got so much like i mean obviously it's more prevalent now than ever but people have got so much going on that you just wouldn't even have a clue about and yeah like you said you just need to get that trust so they actually can confide in you and share that information so that actually they're not on their own you're not you're not just a team manager you're so much more so you know and that that just comes across from that little brief insight you've given us so what does sophie bennett do she wants to relax what do you do how do you switch (laughs) off she runs a marathon bit. <laughs> <laughs> she runs oh a God, marathon. My, my biggest stress this week is the treadmill's broken. <laughs> oh, I did see you talking about that. Yeah, I thought oh, I um, Which sounds really bad that, like, about the treadmill situation, you should be outside. But obviously, with Dill, like, I can't leave him all the time. Like, I have to be around sometimes. So, um, actually, um, one like so Al's contact the boys at Sportess. They helped me out, and they've loaned me. They lent me a treadmill in lockdown, and it literally saved me. Um, but yeah relaxing I, I love to train like that's my happy place and like you know when things are really shit even if I'm not in a great place just going being able to go out and go and it sounds so corny but just be on the trails and even in Bath you're so close mm. to you can yeah. just be you know in the middle of nowhere up a massive hill like with the most beautiful view um and and yeah that's definitely kind of my it's- relaxing i it's just so important, isn't it, to make sure that, you know, you do these jobs, but you actually yeah. make some time for yourself, even if it is like yeah. 15, 20 minutes or running a marathon, yeah. as LJ yeah, and I can relate yeah. to, completely not. But <laughs> it's so important to make that time for yourself. And just yeah. just kind of moving on from that, did you, you know, what if this, you know, you've talked a lot about when you were growing up, all you did that, you know, you putting yourself forward, you really making the effort to put yourself out there and things just don't happen. You have to make those opportunities in life as well. If you kind of could go back in time, um, what advice would you give your younger self? Not only, you know, when you were coaching, but just, just in life generally. I find this really difficult. Um, like I, when I was thinking about this question, I was like, oh yeah, like maybe be more confident. And then I was like, no. And then I'm like, maybe learn to like, I'm, I'm a, like a huge oversharer, which I'm like really bad at. Like I talk too much sometimes. And I think I'll no. like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe when I was younger, I might have actually just sometimes thought a bit more before I spoke, but like, that's not really necessarily a work thing because actually I don't think there's much more I could have done. And this isn't being big headed genuinely, but I don't think there's much more I could have done to be where I am now. Like, mm. uh, you know, look, everyone you know makes mistakes or does things you shouldn't do when you're younger and you know you can go back and nitpick them but in general in general you know I shouldn't have got drunk that time or you know but in general I I I don't think there's much more I think like I took the opportunities I worked hard and like I think it's really important to basically I sort of live my life off thinking that like that you just have to work really hard and so I think you know if I was going back I'd I'd just yeah look I'd I'd re- sort of emphasize that I think just work really hard take the opportunities 
be, you know, be confident um, and just and just do what you can to put yourself in a position that you can be the best that you can be. I suppose like I've, I'm not perfect and I've not done things perfectly. And, you know, uh, there's been a lot of bumps along the way, but I don't think, you know, eventually I've got to where, you know, I don't think there's much more I'd want to do. OK, I'd love to go on a Lions tour or, you know, would I want to go and work with England? Maybe like, like the, uh, Charlotte, who's there now, she does an amazing job. But actually, I'm a team manager at Bath. Whereas, you know, if you go into those bigger teams, you wouldn't have that role. You'd, you'd be more sort of an operations or just, yeah. and I'm really, you know, I feel really lucky that I've actually got that role here, here at Bath. So there's not much, I don't think I would, yeah. I would change. No, I'd, I'd agree with you. And I think one of the big things that's come across just from listening to you is, you know, nothing's not impossible. You know, if you, if you put yourself and especially like two people on a piece of paper in a CV, it's those people that have gone out and got that experience that, you know, people are interested in. Um, you know, to say that to the kids when I was teaching in school, that's great. You've done that. But now go and back it up by getting some actual experience in that field. Because I think, you know, A, it gives you a great insight. and B, it makes you make your mind up. Do I really want to do this? Or perhaps I'd like to choose something else. So get get out there and get experience that's that's the best way forward Definitely. i think personally the only thing i probably like wasn't very good at and when i was in wales it's probably just like not personal skills but just like you know like how you work with other people I think like I definitely could be quite and this sounds really stupid I'm being really honest here be quite grumpy and I think as I've like got older and I've got more experience like I definitely think a lot more about how my actions and my mood impacts people around me Mm. and also you know when people say oh like you know how are you I'm busy I'm tired like I'm busy and tired because I've made myself busy and tired and actually no one wants to know that so I think those they sound really stupid things but those are sort of things now that I try and Mm. think about and and work on harder and and try because you know you have as a member of a management team or coach within a a professional team your mood your how you act how you speak to those people has such a huge impact on them and um I definitely had like you know I had like I can remember one instance um uh, it was with Jeff Williams actually he wouldn't mind me saying he and he played for us he's out in France now he's a seventh player like literally one of the nicest people you know in the world and I remember he got brought into a match day 23 at the last minute someone got injured or something had happened and he came to me about tickets and like oh you'll know like tickets is just such a like ball <laughs> ache yeah. basically like dealing with players tickets is just but I mean I see it as a really important role because I think if you make the players happy and their families happy then they're going to do better on the pitch but he came and he asked me and I was just like and I, and I gave him quite a short or like rude answer because I've been dealing with like 100 people asking me for a million tickets and they were sold out and actually I ref- and I, I must have like snapped at him and, and then he sort of went off or whatever and I reflected on it and I was just like there was need to speak to him like that and I went back and I apologized and he was like thank you so much for coming and speaking to me and and it's such a it's a really little thing but I just think that's probably one of the things that I especially in the environment now is just how you as a coach or you know I've watched it in in our environment where you know coaches moods your mood how you speak to people just has Mm. such a huge impact yeah yeah definitely I always think that whenever you I'm really conscious now of the first thing I say to that person that day no matter what has gone on in my day like you've said as the coach or the team manager or an SNC like someone of kind of importance yeah. in their in their mind right now with rugby with their rugby yeah. what you say to them is actually probably going to affect what you get out of them Definitely. so we always try and think how am I gonna <clears throat> on my way to work that's my yeah. time to like 
de-stress, you know, how like, you know, you've got everybody where they need to go. You've managed all the things that have gone wrong. And now I need to actually just focus on the people I'm going to go and see. And it, yeah, that first thing that you say, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I've definitely never got it right all the time. Like you've just said mm. safe and it's then what you do about it. But yeah, definitely that first thing you say to them. And like you say, if I, if they really knew what was going on, they'd probably be horrified. So I probably, yeah, yeah. Like, you don't want to know really how my day's gone so far. So uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I think it's so, it's so important yeah. to coaches as well, because like, I think, you know, coaching's opinion, you get to like, kind of that point with like dropping people and picking people and stuff. But actually like, you know, especially I guess at our level and with your girls now it's like it's their livelihood as well so actually yeah. like you just need to have yeah so I think that's the biggest thing I've I'm mm. probably I'm, I'm still working on because I still definitely don't get it right yeah <laughs> that's really good advice that is Soph and such important words you know because it makes a massive influence um on those people and um did you did you kind of think you would make a career in men's professional rugby was it was it something you'd kind of thought actually I'd really like to give this a go and, and kind of one of the questions you want to know, we've talked a little bit about obstacles, like by that person you referred to earlier saying, oh, we don't want a female in this role, but kind of, yeah, go on, tell, tell me about that. Yeah, I don't, like I said, I think as I touched on it earlier, I don't think initially I ever thought I'm going to, I mean, like I remember one story um, when I was at Gloucester and I was in the community department and Nigel Melville and Dean Ryan were the coaches at this point. And um, I actually, I had a really good relationship with both of them. And I go in in the office and just sit there. And I remember sitting on like Nigel's chair once. And I said to Dean, I was like, Dean, I tell you what, I'm going to be the first female director of rugby. Let me tell you like this, joking. And, um, you know, so I guess there definitely must have been some thoughts there where I just thought, oh, you know, there's something more here. But yeah, I didn't really know how and I didn't know what I was going to do. And then obviously when, you know, I got into Wales and I sort of got to the end of that coaching and thought about managing. And then I just kind of looked at it and, um, it's interesting because uh, in and around that time, at some point, I, like I've lost all track of time because I'm so old. Um, but like Danny <laughs> Delamere, Danny Delamere was um, team manager at the Ospreys. She's an Australian girl. She's back in Australia now. And I remember, you know, just like, you know, watching her at that point and just thinking that this is a possibility. This could be done. A woman, because at this point, there wasn't really women in those roles. No. There was another lady, um, and I feel really bad that I don't know her name, but she was, she worked with the Lions. Um, and I think, you know, she worked with the Lions over a number of tours. And again, I just thought there were girls in these positions, this can happen. And I think that was, you know, at that point, there wasn't many role models in those in those jobs, but there were some. And it was just, it's like, well, actually, this this could happen. But I'm really grateful for kind of having that coaching experience because I think that's really yeah. helped me in my role as a manager. As much as people say, you know, women are great to go in these roles and you don't need to have any rugby experience, it definitely helps. And, yeah. and it definitely, and it gives you a bit of, because you know about rugby, it does give you a bit of, I guess, kudos to the boys that like you can have a conversation with them about it. You understand what's going on. And, um, yeah. you know, I think like, you know, Sarah Davis is another one. It's like, there's a couple of, there's been other females that have sort of sat in those team manager roles or like sort of those admin roles, but they don't do the subs pitch side, for instance. Whereas me and Sarah both do, we, we're the girls that have done the, the subs pitch side. And I think it's because we've got, you know, that a bit more confidence because we, we have that rugby knowledge and we both coached. Yeah. And Sarah Davies, is she still at the Dragons? No, she's at Scarlet's now. She's gone to Scarlet's. Yeah. She's managing there. Yeah. Wow. Must get in touch yeah. with her as well. Brilliant. Yeah, definitely. Do you think um, it's good though that you like just thinking about that 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 coach who said, oh, "I don't want a, a woman working in my environment." Actually, mm-hmm. are you better to know that because going to that environment, like, yeah. don't get me wrong, you want to 
you want to break glass ceilings, you want to change people's perception, but actually you've got to change people's perceptions in the right way. You, you don't really want to go into an environment where you're already on the back foot because you're going to be yeah. on the back foot regardless. Yeah, um, 100%. Even if they're not, like nice people. Yeah. You make yeah, a mistake. No. You're not going to be forgiven as much as maybe a man. Like I just think that's how it is. No, you know? definitely, definitely. And I, I'm definitely. And I, I was thinking about this before we came on the call because I'm definitely a realist. I, I don't want to say this and suddenly have like loads of people telling me I've said something on PC. But for me, I think they're like this. Oh, what's she going to say? And um, for me, look, it's not about like knowing your place, but it's about respecting your place. I think and. Um, 100% I would not want to be in an environment where I wasn't welcome um, I also would, wouldn't want to be in an environment where I hadn't earned my position so for me getting the role at Bath was you know uh, 4D didn't know me like they I got picked up from my CV and all the work I'd done um, and you know I know that he he was mates with Joe Lydon he spoke to Joe um, once they'd interviewed me and you know he obviously could then vouch for me as a person but like I earned that role. It wasn't given to me because someone knew someone and oh, they can yeah. have this role. It, I felt like that a bit. And I guess a bit, you know, when um, Bergen, I remember when we were with Wales and they were trying to get females refereeing uh, at international level. And again, like I'm saying this with the greatest respect and as someone else who I actually met with her recently was uh, Sarah Cox. So referee Sarah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So we actually had um, breakfast yeah, like back a while ago when we played Exeter. And we were just talking about that in general because back yeah. in the day when we were there, but like, you know, and they were trying to force their, you know, I'm sure it was Pierre Vilpere said, you know, I want women's rugby refereed by women. And it's like, no, you want, you want women's refereed by ref by the best possible ref, uh, yeah. especially in the level because you're, you know, you're forcing, you know, these girls are putting their life and soul into training to be as professional as they can be. And if they're not being refereed by the same level now, of course, things have changed. And Sarah is such a great example of someone who's worked really hard and is really good at what she's done and she's earned, her position but I, I think that's that's key you you want to earn your position you want to be there because you're good enough not because you know you're I, 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 there is another viewpoint I guess if you can get in there as the token and then you can show that you're good that's that's good but I, I'm just happy that I uh, my sort of I got in there off my sort of hard work and mm. and yeah I, I'm lucky because you know all the coaches all the directors of rugby I've worked with have all been happy with a female in that role and you know that could change any time like you could you could like, I mean not probably not so much now but you know there was always that worry that someone was going to come in and they wouldn't want a female there and then you know however good you were your role could be sort of redundant but no I've been pretty lucky oh, yeah. yeah so if I uh, I know sorry Bird I know you'll have an opinion too but I definitely I 100% feel the same as in I want to be picked up for a role, not because, oh, it might be, it might be nice to have a token woman, actually, because I'm the right person for the role. Um, but I'm also not under any illusion that because I am a, a female, my, they might look at me differently and it might take me two, two or three knocks on the door before I get looked at. And I don't actually mind that because I believe in what I do. And I know all the body of work I've done underneath to get to where I've got to. And yeah, I think, so if I think you've got kind of the right idea, it's definitely a bit of a bugbear when you see see organisations trying to fill roles or find women to do a role, and then actually are they are they ready for that role? Are we getting the right are the right way around? Like you say, no, you want the best referees refereeing your mm. women's game, not a woman. But actually, for that woman, for that woman that's put in that position, if she's not good enough, then she's not going to do anyone any favours. 
exactly. I mean, none of us want to be, you know, tokens. You know, we want to, you know, it has to be the right person, you know, for the right role. And people need to earn yeah. their position. And I, I remember when you're going back, about fast-tracking things, you know, players, females, it was... Um, you know, it was the wrong thing to do at that time because they didn't have the experience to referee at that level. Um, and now, as you say, there's some great examples like Coxie. She's Sarah Cox is phenomenal what she's achieved. You know, um, Joy as well over in Ireland, what she's achieved. You know, it's, it's phenomenal because they've, they've done the right thing. They've built up, they've earned their credit and they've got to where they are based on what they've achieved and they're the right people. So, yeah, no, really important messages there. Definitely. We don't want to be tokens. No. Nope. <laughs> um moving kind of moving across so um so obviously you've alluded to your your busy family family schedule um and i can completely uh, sympathize maybe not with the the four children but the one child <laughs> all my time um <laughs> how do you manage your life family but life work balance and obviously with al he's in france you know you haven't you haven't exactly got um the easiest of life to manage as well as pretty tricky job too so how, how do you think you manage it what any kind of coping mechanisms that you can throw wine? out right now <laughs> things to extreme running <laughs> wine and marathon love it yeah I know, isn't it? <laughs> uh, that's why no. i'm going wrong yeah i reckon else yeah that's it. Um, no, look, both of those. A, a 13-year-old and a toddler are two very different uh, beasts. So, like, it's, you know, over the last couple of years, obviously, um, when myself and Al got together, and um, he's got obviously, as you know, four kids. So I've got four step kids um, from five to thirteen, and so for the first eighteen months or so, we um, we all lived together, and we had the kids fifty-fifty. And yeah, it, you know, we between us, we were obviously hours at bath then. And we're both working the same hours, but like long hours. And, you know, it was just a lot of juggling between us just to try and, you know, pick kids up, drop kids off. We had a nanny. Um, we just, you just, I, I guess you just got it done. And then, um, and it meant you just had to, in terms of like training, because that's something that's important to me. It's just getting it done and getting it fitted in where you could. But it, it was tough, but there was two of us. And then um, last year, um, obviously, Al had left Bath. He didn't get his contract renewed. And um, he then got a role uh, out in Toulouse. And at that point, um, yeah, it was it was much tougher because then suddenly we made a decision that he would go. Um, obviously, I didn't want to give up my job because I worked hard for my job. Um, so Dylan was living with us and he didn't want to leave Bath. Um, so the three, so his ex actually took the three younger kids back to Dublin, um, back to Ireland, because that's where she's from and she wanted to be there. So then it was just kind of me and Dill left in birth. And yeah, you know, it was really different. It wasn't so bad last year because it meant that, you know, I could get our two schedules together. We could get our matches and, you know, if, if uh, Bath played on a Friday, then we could get, we could hop over to Toulouse on a Saturday morning and then spend the weekend there and go to his game and then come back on a Sunday night. So it would be tricky, but it was doable. And then like, obviously with COVID, it's just been a nightmare. Mm. And, you know, up until this last month, we'd seen each other like maybe sort of two weeks worth of weeks, out, uh, days out of 17 weeks. And um, so that, that's been tough. Day to day, though, Dill's amazing. He's 13. So he is at a point where he's getting a bit more self-sufficient. Um, obviously, like I said, I like to do crazy endurance things. So I try to train in the morning. But it means, you know, we start at seven o'clock our first meeting um, at Farley. So it means I'm often on, on the treadmill or training between four and 4.30. Um, it means if I want to uh, in the evenings, if I want to get something done, I need to, you know, I've always got in the back of mind. I don't finish work till six, really. So then by that point, Dill wants his dinner. 
So as much as he sort of comes home and sorts himself out, like I then, you know, I, I make sure I sit down and we have dinner together every night. Um, and then if I want to train or I need to do anything myself, it's after seven, eight o'clock, it, I have to get it done then. So it just means you, it, you, you don't sleep that much. Um, and, you know, things are busy, but I, I just, again, I'm, I'm just, I'm just on this, I'm quite selfish. So if I want to, if I want things to happen, I'll just make them happen. Um, and it doesn't always happen. And there's highs and lows. And it's quite often an all or nothing mentality because at some point you do drop off the cliff because <laughs> you're so tired. But it, it just has to be done. And I think, yeah, we're, look, it, I guess in terms of the way our life is at the moment, we, you know, it won't be forever. But it's important that Al does what he needs to do and I can continue doing my job because I think I'd be doing a disservice if I left my role. I definitely couldn't just go and do nothing. Do you? Um, no, we know that. <laughs> oh, so I'm exhausted, bloody yeah. listening to you there. God, flipping heck. Um, I, I've also got lots like... of support. Yeah, yeah. I need to give the Booths um, a shout out because um, yeah. Toby Booth, obviously, he's with the Ospreys now, but um, his wife, Noreen, she looks after Dill a lot. So if I've got an away game, like she'll take Dill. So they definitely yeah. need some love because I couldn't do it without them. Brilliant. <laughs> do you think? Um, obviously being in a performance environment do you feel like you do you feel like you could go and have that conversation if you needed to if like something you know we all have to juggle a plan and make a plan work but sometimes the plan just doesn't work or something happens that you didn't account for um and in a performance environment like it just carries rolling on like do you feel like you could go in and say i can't be at x for this reason but this is do you know what i mean like oh yeah i've had to i've had to do that and do you know, like Hoops is amazing. I can't, I can't give Hoops enough credit in terms of um, how he supports me. And um, I think, again, because I've built that credit and you build that trust, he knows I'm mm. not taking the piss. Yeah. But little things like we obviously just had a break and he knows how like tough I find it being away from Al, for instance. And there was a little bit of time where, you know, we could go to France with the kids. So at the end of the season, we obviously played in the semis. And then the week after, um, myself, Dill and the three kids they came over from Ireland. We went to France. We all met in France. We had two, just under two weeks in France. So I was working. I was basically an au pair for two weeks and then paid au pair. <laughs> but we were together as a family for two weeks. And then obviously it meant coming home and quarantining for two weeks. And so I missed the first week of preseason. And I, I had like for days, I was stressed about whether to ask to do this or not and whether I should do it. And then I just realized that like, look, you know, Christmas might not happen. Well, I didn't know when we'd all be together again. And Hoops is just amazing. He's like, yeah, like, don't be stupid. I know you can work from home and you can zoom in and that's, you know, preseason's the best time. And he's yeah. really, he's really wants everyone to, you know, do what they need to do in terms of family life as well. So um, yeah. it actually, even though there's a couple of like women in and around the department, but I guess in terms of like rugby, I'm the kind of one that's got the most sort of commitments outside and he's, he's amazing with it. Yeah, he would, I wouldn't feel bad asking or speaking to him about it. Good. I'm very I mean, lucky though because I know it's not the same for everyone yeah I think that's massive isn't it because if we're talking about wanting to get women into roles that are seen and uh, have you know significant impact on teams they also want to know that they can you know also have a family or have a, a life out it doesn't have to be a family but life outside yeah. of rugby too and it's I suppose like you say you've got to build that trust there first to prove yeah. or not prove but yeah you do I guess a little bit yeah but I think it's the same with the boys in the environment because we've got um one of our members of our coaching staff for instance um 
and like without sort of you know her saying too much his wife was uh needed to shield and so when we first came back he actually didn't come back to work um he yeah. stayed away and um he would zoom in and work like that and everyone was really understanding that that was really important and then when we sort of got back to sort of stage two he then actually moved out of the family home and came and stayed at Farley and again just trying to support him through that so I think yeah. you know definitely it's a, a woman thing but I think actually because I'd imagine some environments some professional club environments are so harsh that like like coaches males would feel like they couldn't even say that but we're very lucky mm. about that we are trying to build that as like a sort of second family and you know that people can do that kind of thing if they need to mm. I also think it's about being like courageous and having those conversations because yeah if you don't try and make people like like you said there's definitely environments out there that that won't be able to happen in but maybe down the line if the right people are in there and they they feel like they can have that conversation you know yeah. I never ever thought I'd be able to have a child doing what I do and still do what I do and then my husband that I you know the guy he does what he does so yeah yeah I think it's definitely about having people brave enough to a, a have the conversation but then also uh prepared to hear it and and support you so that's yeah really, really important um and then would you so kind of yeah sticking with that that theme I suppose around people in in role females in roles uh would you give any like what advice would you give to a young female wanting to pursue whether they want to become a professional rugby player a coach or in any of the other support roles managerial snc uh analysis anything like that I guess I'm not I'm not sure about their playing so much but in terms of like going into a role of coach or or support staff or whatever I just think the biggest thing for me is I mean I banged on about it all night but is you know that work experience that connections just you have to get out there and you have to be scared not be scared of like being told no you've got to be confident you need to you know you need to go and ask and and you've got to start like don't you know start by helping at your local rugby club you know get the experience there then push up into a university side just don't be like don't be worried about what level it is. Just get get yourself out there and get known and get experience and, and obviously qualifications as well. But I just think the, the, the experience is the thing that's going to stand you apart and that's when you're going to build your connections. So for me, like literally, it, you know, it did just start by coaching, you know, under 14s at Hucklecote or, you know, Gloucestershire Uni women's or like then regional but like you have to start you have to start by building your cv that i think that's really important um and just yeah making those connections speaking to people don't be embarrassed like you know lj if you you know for you even it's like getting in there use use your connections you know you guys whoever to get into clubs to to do what you can and and i think the biggest thing probably for girls more than anything is just like being confident in their ability like being confident that you're good enough sorry yeah uh yeah being confident that you're good enough and don't and and probably like don't be scared to speak up and put your opinion across but in the right way I think I might have started talking about that earlier in that you know you don't have to go in there all guns blazing like burning your bra like I'm a woman I need to do this and I think this is what I started to talk about (laughs) earlier and then I didn't get there but just doing things in the right manner so uh, like when I was in Wales I was really lucky that I eventually got to sit on the game, the old game policy board and like Alan Jones, I've got so much, you know, to be grateful to him for because they sort of let me in, if you like, 
into a very sort of, you know, boys network and, uh, and game policy was the rugby committee at that time. And I was given the opportunity to, to sort of be in there and, and they, Alan, then they come and watch the women's games. And they actually took an interest in the women's games. And again, you know, I, I use the ability to like have relationships with them, not in that way, like just, you know, be like, and probably be a bit girly and be a little bit fluffy, but actually know the reason that I was doing it. And I think, you know, it's not all about like burning your bar and I'm here and I'm a woman and I need to be let in. Sometimes you've got to be a bit more discreet than that. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So I think that that's, that's probably what I'd say is just, is get in there, but do it in the right manner. And then, um, yeah. And don't be, don't be, uh, don't be too shy. Be confident. Yeah. Some great advice there. So some really good advice. I really enjoyed listening to you there. Um, and I, I know you love talking, but God, what you're saying is so, so kind of um, really important and, you know, really hope some of our listeners take on board what you said there. And just kind of going on from that, we've had quite a few of the listeners that um, from Twitter that have posed a few questions. Um so I'm going to kind of read a few of those questions and thanks guys to all you out there that have done this because it really, really helps us as well to get your thoughts across and your questions to the people we have on the show. So, um, you know, one of the questions is who or what has been your key influence? Um, genuinely, I think probably my parents, like, um, like both my mum and dad, just all through, well, all I ever remember when I was a kid was just how hard they worked. Like they didn't have like masses of money or anything, but like, you know, mum was a teacher and then they had a tea rooms and she'd like be tutoring after school. Um, dad, you know, like they were just always grafting. That's like, mm. that's just my memory of them. Um, and then just like, you know, later, you know, obviously what we went through with mum where we lost mum and she was just so tough. And I think like, that's, I kind of, I sort of just hold those really like dear to me that, you know, in life, I just think you've got to work really hard and just be really tough. And like, I'm not tough. I'm like an absolute, like, so wet under here. But like, (laughs) when, when like things are like rubbish or, you know, when things stuff, I just think like, well, you know, your mum was dying and she didn't even cry. So like, you know, you need to just get on with this and you just need to crack on. And um, don't worry, there's plenty of tears. But like you just like you just gotta. I just think that's it. Just work hard and and just be tough. And that I definitely got that from my parents. You know, um, like I touched on it before. Like you know, even with Giselle, just seeing her, like as 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 I was sort of growing up and you know remembering kind of the work she did and how she really I feel like she sort of trailblazed for like women's coaches and being in that male environment. And um, like Bird, I think you know, absolute you know hero to us all, really. No one can drink like bird. Or dance on the table. No, no, listen, I'm joking. Like I've I'm not joking, that. but I'm not joking. Because you've got to have all that as well. You've got to have all that as well. But like obviously what you've done for, for the women's game has been incredible. And and to yeah. be fair to her, um, I think someone to mention is Jilly Holroyd, like yeah. you know you know she went in there into that sort of Wales setup and she she knew what she wanted to do um and she just she dominated and you know she got herself on um boards and panels and and what she's done is, is pretty pretty uh, amazing as well so there's some there's some pretty amazing women out there who've really worked mm. hard to to you know to give others an opportunity really 
Yeah, and I think I think one of the big things there, going back to your parents, which I know were massive um, influences for you, so it's that resilience, isn't it? And I think sometimes, you know, I certainly when I was teaching with the younger generation coming through, that resilience isn't there, you know, and, and I'm not saying for all, but it's a really big thing. You know, if you don't succeed, you've got to keep trying. And if you want something, yeah. you've got to work hard to get it. It doesn't just happen. So, you know, yeah. being resilient, pushing yourself out there, and like you said, really going at it really helps and I think you know any of them yeah. that are listening to this interview with you will learn a lot from that and I hope they kind of aspire to become like that some great stuff I think, I think it's almost sort of done a little bit it's like people are quite lazy and like you know it's yeah. actually you know it's easier to say no to stuff and not do things and like you know you're mm. tired you can't be bothered but actually if you want to do anything that we're doing like you can't have that attitude because there's someone no. right behind you that will take that opportunity 100%. So um, moving on to another Twitter question, it's um, what or who or what has been the barriers to you kind of progressing? I think we've touched a little bit on that, but are there anything you have think feel like you haven't mentioned that's been a barrier to your no, progression? No, I do I think we've got a pretty good flavour of it. Yeah. yeah, um, and, yeah. and okay, we'll go to the, one of the last questions there. So what was your biggest learning moment, learning moment through COVID? Um, that I need a purpose in my life. <laughs> yeah. like there was some like really yeah. like some points where you're just like I really need something but no um I think the biggest thing is just communication and just right down it's communication <laughs> and just like connections I think you know just keeping in contact and you know like just kind of getting at like finding you know another way to stay in touch with everyone especially with the boys and the squad mm. uh, as a group we did a lot of work and just like speaking to each other facetiming mm. i think probably for me that was the the biggest kind of work thing was just keeping everyone together keeping everyone talking um and keeping everyone connected um because i think you know there were so many people going through so many different things that you just you know just talking to people taking the time you know even when i was in quarantine like the other week and I was off for two weeks that we basically um, all of our academy went through. Uh, we had them in quarantine and there was a couple of them that were in quarantine for two weeks, came out for a day, were contacted with someone who tested and went mm. back in for two weeks. And for them, you know, just looking at what they're going through. So going through quarantine myself was really like really good to see what they were going through. So uh, and yeah, it was just that connection and being kept in the loop and just talking and just, mm. yeah, that was really important. But yeah, no, definitely personally just having a purpose. I remember the day the kids went back. And I was on furlough and I'm not that academic. So I didn't really want to do any courses. And I'm just walking around the house going, right, what do I do now? <laughs> and I was like, you're really lost, aren't you? I was like, yeah. So yeah, having a purpose. Brilliant. <laughs> oh, I, honestly, so me and Els could talk to you all night here. It's just, it's <laughs> Sorry, just absolutely it's brilliant. Okay, it? No. Oh God, no. It's just, yeah, it's, it's really, really great. It's been absolutely brilliant. Um, but we've kind of come to the end of the time now. I think we're going to run out on here. So, LJ, before we go, have you got your quick fire questions? Oh, no, I, I have about these. My, my quick fire questions. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Sophie and Bird, shout out what you, uh, what you would rather, okay? Bring it on. Um, on. So, run, run or cycle? Run. Cycle. Chaos or stick to the plan? Oh, stick oh, to the plan. Yeah, 100%. I'd say stick to the plan. <laughs> I, knew, I knew you were both going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> knew oh, it. Um, dairy milk or Haribo? Dairy milk. Oh, dairy milk, yeah. What? Oh, well, you might go Haribo, so. Hmm. Yeah, dairy uh, milk. If I had to have one or the other. Yeah. yeah. Chocolate Can't every time. Both, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, beer, beer or 
or Prosecco? Prosecco. Oh, and then beer. Then Prosecco. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> and then I'm referring to peanut butter here. Crunchy or smooth? Oh, crunchy. Crunchy. With with Nutella as well, though. Oh. <laughs> when I when I used to when I was working with Soph, yeah. seriously, jar of peanut butter, spoon oh, yeah. at the jar. Nothing yeah. changed. That's like yeah. that's just standard. Yeah. That was always the one thing guy would come home and say, Soph's got a Nutella jar. And it would generally <laughs> so we weren't allowed got, to eat anything. Yeah, that's because yeah, she'd run got, that's because she'd run a marathon mad. in the morning. <laughs> I got sent like a someone sent me in the post like um, a while ago like a, a special peanut butter spoon and everything so I'm set up now. A special peanut butter? What does that look like? It just says like eat your peanut butter with the spoon. It's at work. Oh, so it's just a normal work. spoon. <laughs> yeah, but it's ingrained with like peanut butter. <laughs> oh my god, that's brilliant. Sophie, honestly, Al, just been a pleasure, isn't it, talking to you, yeah. Sophie? We haven't seen you for oh, so ages. good to see you both. Yeah, that's awesome. But pleasure. next time we need a night out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Beer and Prosecco, apparently. Yeah. Definitely. In that order. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So thanks a million. Um, Absolutely brilliant to catch up. And you're such an inspirational woman. You've achieved so much. So, and thank you for sharing it all with us as well. And hopefully you go on to inspire. I'm sure you will with many young girls that are listening to this. The next step. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. It's been cool. Thank you. So, um, that's it for tonight um you know if you'd like to listen more and you want to hear please um visit rugbycoachweekly.net and click on the podcast button to visit the women's section thanks all for listening and and as always please stay safe and well and catch up again with you all soon cheers everyone bye guys bye bye